February 15th. As we begin our reading today in the New Testament, we begin reading in a new book. We have left the book of Matthew. We begin our reading today in the book of Mark for the first time. So we'll be at Mark chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 28. Let me give you a brief overview of what's going on here in the entire book of Mark. So we'll have some backdrop on which to lean. John Mark was the cousin of Barnabas and the son of Mary, a leading woman in the Jerusalem church. He helped Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, but for some reason did not remain with them. And that failure caused Paul and Barnabas to separate. But Barnabas gave Mark another chance. In later years, Mark became one of Paul's associates, and Paul commended him for his work. It all ended well. Many Bible scholars believe that Mark's gospel is a record of Peter's reports of the ministry of Christ, presenting Jesus Christ as the servant of God. Mark often used the word immediately, or he describes the work of a servant, capital S, servant, who was busy obeying his father and meeting the needs of people. Well, after a brief introduction, the book tells of Christ's ministry in Galilee, his journey to Jerusalem, his ministry in Jerusalem climaxing with his crucifixion and his resurrection and ascension. In Mark chapter 1, we see that even a servant must have credentials, and our Lord has the very best. His coming was prophesied by Isaiah and Malachi and announced by John the Baptist. The Father and the Holy Spirit commended him, and Satan could not defeat him. He is a servant you can trust, But what can he do? What is his work? Well, he can guide your life and make it a success. He can overcome Satan and sickness and use you to bring the message of salvation to a lost and needy world. You can be a servant of the servant and share in his wonderful work. And with that, let's begin our reading here today in the New Testament. February 15th, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 28. Here begins the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. In the book of the prophet Isaiah, God said, Look, I am sending my messenger before you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He lived in the wilderness and was preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had turned from their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. People from Jerusalem and from all over Judea traveled out into the wilderness to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from camel hair, and he wore a leather belt. His food was locusts and wild honey. He announced, Someone is coming soon who is far greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when Jesus came up out of the water... He saw the heavens split open and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on him. 
and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with you. Immediately the Holy Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. He was there for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested by Herod Antipas, Jesus went to Galilee to preach God's good news. At last the time has come, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat mending their nets. He called them, too, and immediately they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and went with him. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and every Sabbath day he went into the synagogue and taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, for he taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. A man possessed by an evil spirit was in the synagogue, and he began shouting, Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be silent. Come out of the man. At that, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion. But then he left him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news of what he had done spread quickly through the entire area of Galilee. Psalm 35, verses 1 through 16. Like David, you need God's deliverance from two different enemies. Number one, those who attack you. There are places in this world where it's a dangerous thing to be a Christian, and that number may increase as time goes on. After all, Satan is a murderer and would destroy all of God's people if he could. But the Lord fights for us. He has effective weapons and knows the enemy's plots. If you belong to the Lord, He is responsible to care for you. And we need deliverance from another enemy, those who accuse you. Satan is an accuser as well as a murderer. So David had to move from the battlefield to the courtroom where his enemies were lying about him. His prayer changed from fight for me to vindicate me. But his concern was that God's name, not his own, be magnified. When the enemy slanders your name, he attacks the name of the Lord as well. Note the results as we read here today. And my soul shall be joyful. Another one in verse 28. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness, joy on the inside, and witness on the outside. How do you get to know 
who you are. Well, well, first of all, you need time alone. And some people fight being alone. They fight being alone. They fight being single. They don't enjoy it. They just, anything, just invite anybody over. You invite people over you don't even like. Just come on, girl. Come on over. Come on over in this house. Just come on over to avoid thinking. Time alone is important. Time alone gets you, first of all, God discovery. You begin to understand who God is. Who God is. You cannot understand who God is in a crowd. And Jacob was left alone with God. And God called Abraham alone. And Moses was alone on the backside of the mountain. It's always when you're alone that God reveals himself. God didn't show himself to the Virgin Mary while she was in a crowd shopping with her girlfriends. When the angels showed up and said, Hell, Mary, you've been highly favored amongst women. She was by herself. Whenever anything significantly happens to you in a spiritual capacity, it happens to you when you are alone. Can God get you by yourself? <laughs> or is your life so cluttered with people and things and objects that sometimes people put it on you, but sometimes you put it on yourself because you're fighting being alone and now you've got a crowd and you don't know who God is. Number two, you don't know who you are. Okay, in order to be, in order to have self-discovery, you have to have privacy. You, you need moments of reflection. Christians don't use this term too much, but I really love this term, meditation. Meditation. I'm not talking about levitation. You know, I'm, I'm talking about simple meditation. Just a calm, quiet place of reflection. I tell people who've been married and gone through a divorce, before you snatch somebody else, could you have just, just a little period to figure out what happened the first time? So that you don't go into the Sisyphus complex and keep inviting the same trouble in your life to happen again. Oh no, I can't be alone. You need to be alone. Not just to figure out, you already know what was wrong with her or you wouldn't have broke up. But, but have you figured out your contribution in the conflict? Because you did contribute something to the problem you're in. And you need time alone to do that. And we don't take time alone. In fact, we purposefully go out and get stuff to fill up all the gaps in our life until we don't have anything else to do. We're just busy, 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 busy. On the go, on the go, on the go. Gotta get there, gotta go, gotta get there, gotta get there, gotta get there, gotta get there. And you're never alone. And you don't know who God is. And you don't know who you are. And it makes you not a suitable helpmeet because... If you can't make time for you, warning, 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 you won't make time for me. Time alone makes you see, first of all, who God is. Second of all, it lets you see who you are. And the third thing, it lets you see what will fit you, what will fit you, what is suitable for you. Where is your sweet spot? What works for you? What works for you? It, without that, you shop for a husband like you shop for a dress. Where are my sisters at? Make some noise, sisters. You know when you go looking for a dress, you don't know exactly what you're looking for. That's why when the woman comes up and says, may I help you? You say, no, I'm just looking. 
and, and she being persistent says, well, you know, what size? Is there a particular color? And you say, no, I'm just looking. And then she comes around, we just got this in. And then you say, no, I'll know it when I... And that might be true about a dress. Now, wait a minute. If that's true and you can't tell by looking, what does a wife beater look like? What does a child molester look like? What does an irresponsible, you can't count on me, I'll never be there for you, mama's boy, look like? My point is to say that you can't tell what's in the car by looking at the wax job. Time alone makes you see, first of all, who God is. Second of all, it lets you see who you are. And the third thing, it lets you see what will fit you. Psalm 35, verses 1 through 16, a Psalm of David. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Declare war on those who are attacking me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin and block the way of my enemies. Let me hear you say, I am your salvation. Humiliate and disgrace those trying to kill me. Turn them back in confusion. Blow them away like chaff in the wind, a wind sent by the angel of the Lord. Make their path dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Although I did them no wrong, they laid a trap for me. Although I did them no wrong, they dug a pit for me. So let sudden ruin overtake them. Let them be caught in the snare they set for me. Let them fall to destruction in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because He rescues me. I will praise Him from the bottom of my heart. Lord, who can compare with You? Who else rescues the weak and helpless from the strong? Who else protects the poor and needy from those who want to rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of things I don't even know about. They repay me with evil for the good I do. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill... I grieved for them. I even fasted and prayed for them. But my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad, as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They hurl slander at me continually. They mock me with the worst kind of profanity, and they snarl at me. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. 
If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer.